learn about the strides female entrepreneurs of color are making. Be inspired by their story and enlightened by their leadership insight and advice. Welcome to She Leads Podcast, Season 4, Episode 2. I'm your host, Nicole Walker, a mother, businesswoman, and leader. Our guest for today is Dr. Iris Cooper. Dr. Iris Ann Cooper's career includes leadership positions in financial services, economic development, community service, communication, government, entrepreneurship, and education. She is the owner of Just Acts Iris, an entrepreneurial coaching firm specializing in food enterprises and products. Iris is a founder of Glory Foods, Inc., a multi-million dollar food marketing company, and has launched several successful enterprises during her career. She is recognized nationally as a business strategist and branding expert, having coached many startups to sustainability. Iris is a former director of the Ohio Division of Entrepreneurship and Small Business, where Iris led the state from 29th worst place for small businesses in 2007 to the ninth best in the nation and the first in the Midwest in four years. She currently works with nonprofits and for-profit organizations desiring market research, strategy development, and other professional services. Iris recently received the Amos Lynch Legacy Award from Champions of Diversity and the Sharon Burke Soar Award from Franklin County Children's Services for her advocacy work in Central Ohio. Iris is a published author, featured writer, and keynote speaker on a variety of topics and an adjunct professor at Franklin University and Columbus State Community College. Her contributions to entrepreneurship are now included in the History Makers Collection at the Smithsonian Institute. She is a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, Inc., the National Coalition of 100 Black Women, Central Ohio Chapter, and the Indiana University Alumni Association. Iris holds a BA in Journalism and an MBA in Marketing from Indiana University. She also attended Fish University for two years. Her BA is from Walton University in entrepreneurship, and her doctoral study was focused on small business mortality and entitled The First Four Years, a Small Business Sustainability Study. Without further ado, Leadership Empowerment with Dr. Iris Cooper. Okay, so Dr. I, welcome to She Leads Podcast, Leadership Empowerment for Women of Color. We appreciate you blessing us with your insight today. Well, I'm glad to be here and thank you for asking me. You're welcome. So I read your bio and I want to say kudos to you for launching several successful careers. And I guess that's the story of my life. Every <laughs> time that the that there's a change put in front of me rather than avoiding it, I walk right into it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And just so you know, I love Glory Food products, by the way. Good for you. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. So are you ready to talk about leadership? I am. I am. Okay. So let's get started. I myself feel that every person is a leader in one shape or form, whether they realize it or not. Would you agree, Dr. I? 
Absolutely, because you have to lead yourself. Okay, yes. And why do you feel this way? Historically, women have been led by men at home, at work, at church, just everywhere. And in the 80s, that script changed. And so we had to begin to look for our own path to success. Women came out of the kitchen. They went into offices. They went into factories. There were two parents or two people in a a marriage working outside the home. And no longer could a man dictate what was going to happen during the day because the woman was an equal partner. So that's when I think the real change began with women taking responsibility for their decisions. Okay, thanks for that. And I love that spin on leadership because I do agree that leadership begins with us, so we all are leaders. But then I do understand what you're saying and that it is true that with women, the leadership qualities or skills weren't, I guess, embraced or recognized or even really utilized because of the way our history went. So thanks for bringing that up. Well, it's good. And I guess there's a a dark side to it too, or a unfortunate side. And I think about my parents, they were married 53 years before my father died. And uh, it was teamwork, but my dad had the final say so. Mm-hmm. And even though there was equal respect, he made the final decisions on everything. So, you know, when my mom was put in a position to take over, she really didn't have a lot of, I guess, courage to make some of the decisions for her own self that she had to make. And so begins the saga of the single woman, single mom having to be the leader, the follower, and all of the people in between. Yes, yes. Thanks for that. And you said a key word, leadership does take courage. So I definitely agree with you there. Okay. So Dr. I, when did you realize you were a leader and what or who helped you to come to this realization? High school. High school. I was not a part of the, I guess, true desegregation movement, I came in at the tail end. So my elementary school was desegregated and my high school was a part of the busing effort to to add some racial diversity to the high schools. When I got to the high school, I realized that what my mom had told me about always striving to be the best student, the smartest cookie in the box was going to serve me well. There was all kinds of students that had been in in so many different experiences that I was not familiar with. I had to hurry up and catch up with what they knew about the world. And I got on the debate team and I was the only black person on the debate team. And before debate, I know I study more than anybody else. And that's when people would come up to me and say, wow, how did you learn that? I said, it's all about studying. It's all about reading and understanding and and asking questions. And that's when I guess I was a default 
a leader by default because people were asking me all these questions about why or how I knew this information. And that's kind of where it started. Okay, thanks for that. And I do agree with you that successful leaders embrace lifelong learning or embrace the importance of learning. So I do agree that joining the debate team and studying, reading, being able to understand what you read and knowing the importance of or being fearless and asking questions are all leadership qualities. So thanks for sharing. Okay, so in my upcoming book, The Code of Leadership, The If-Then Process, I outline my experiences and lessons that have helped me to become a better leader with the intention of helping others do the same. Dr. I, can you share what you would consider to be your code of leadership and why? My code of leadership embraces the values of respect, of dignity, of excellence, of courtesy, and of knowledge. And I treat people like I want to be treated. I'm a servant leader. I embrace other people because we cannot reach a goal by ourselves in organizations. We can't do it. So when I treat them like I want to be treated, we establish a bond of of integrity, honesty, and I hold them to it just like I hold myself to it. And that's what I do. Okay. Thanks for that. And I do agree with you that servant leadership is definitely a great way to be a leader and a great code of leadership. And I love how you said you embrace people, which establishes a bond so that you can reach your goal. So that's, we all want to reach our goals. And I do agree that embracing people to do so is key. Absolutely. And I have such fond memories of my days at the state of Ohio. I had 32 direct reports and across the state, probably another 200 through the small business development centers that were underneath my division. And uh, my first day on the job, I went to everyone's office or cubicle, introduced myself, and then followed up that week in a staff meeting where I baked brownies. Wow. I am not a cook. I don't even pretend to be a cook anymore. And, but I thought, well, you know, it was kind of, I should have prepared earlier for it, but I just thought of it the night before and I I put these brownies because I just figured, you know, while you're sitting there talking, food is a conduit of a relationship. And so I brought these brownies in and you would have thought I had given everybody a raise. Wow. The state workers were not used to personal treatment like that. And it was wonderful because most of the people that worked under me in-house were middle-aged women. And that bond continues today. I've been gone from the state since 2011 when the new governor came in and gave all of us a pink slip. But I still talk to most of them even today because we trusted each other, we respected each other, we understood each other's strengths and weaknesses. And when I would tell them we've got to get up in the morning, meet at the gas station at five o'clock, we have to drive to Cleveland to a presentation, everybody was there. Wow. 
That's awesome. I love that. And I love how you took the time to introduce yourself to everyone and make everyone feel important and acknowledged. And then I do agree that bringing in food or, you know, even taking the time to bake something yourself is really a great gesture of you showing care, which does build those bonds and make those long lasting relationships. So thanks for sharing that. Oh, yeah. I I love those women. And we went through some trying times during the recession here in the state of Ohio. Unemployment was through the roof. Factories were closing. Small businesses were shutting their doors. And then we got news that we had to give up one day's pay to balance the budget in Ohio. And I had to deliver that news to my staff that you're going to have to work for five days for four days pay. And nobody was happy, but everybody got on board and we kept working just as hard. Nice. Nice. So you really built that, got that buy-in. Awesome. Okay. So I believe all leaders experience failure. I myself, I don't like to consider them failures. I like to consider them lessons, take more of an optimistic view. But Dr. I, can you share your view on failure and what it means to you? Well, failure, I kind of wish we would eliminate that word from the dictionary (laughs) because it puts you in a negative state of mind and it can be a handicap if you are constantly thinking about, I've failed, I've failed, because it gets to your, your mind and your heart that I'm not worthy or I did something wrong. So I have not looked at anything as a failure. It's a change, but change is good. Change will bring out the best in you. And I've had all these careers because something happened that made me go a different direction. I could have looked at it as failure, but I didn't. I walked into it and looked at it as an opportunity. And I think it's, it's all how you frame the situation. Okay. Yes. I li- and I like what you said, uh, eliminate the word failure from the dictionary, because it does bring negativity and can stop a person from moving forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. It makes an unnecessary hurdle for you to get across, to jump over. And if you look at it as an opportunity to really do some creative, critical thinking about what this could be for you then you can see some benefits that maybe you won't see if you think you're a failure. Yes. Okay. Thanks for that. And I love that creative, critical thinking, because that is what's needed to continue to pivot and make the changes necessary to reach success when our outcome is not exactly the one that we want at the moment. Absolutely. Okay. So Dr. I, can you share one time you failed as a leader? And tell us what you learned from the experience that helped you to become a better leader. Well, I, I was hurt when I was eliminated from the job at the state. When I saw that the current governor lost the election and I knew that the possibility was there. But in, in my mind, I'm saying, well, with the outcomes that we've delivered while I was at the state, we went from the 29th worst place to start a business to the best in the Midwest and the ninth best in the nation. Wow. And that's from a third party evaluator. So I thought, okay, I'll have a chance to tell my story because I still have work to do. 
And I never got to tell the story. My boss came to my desk in tears and she had just been let go. And then she told me I was let go. And most of my staff that was not union were going to have to compete for new jobs. I was devastated. We had a a week. I had a week to try to wrap up projects and programs. And I never got to even discuss what was in play and what we had done. I didn't like that at all. However, I looked at it as a change. And there was a goal on my to-do list that I had not executed yet. And this change would give me the opportunity to pursue it. And I went back to school. Nice. I love that. Yep. I went back to school. Yeah. So although that was an occurrence that you, number one, didn't expect and, of course, was not happy about, it pushed you to do something that you had been wanting to do. So, Yes. And, and I'll tell you another benefit that I realized. I've realized this several times that as a role model, that means people are looking at you to see how you handle your situation. It happened when my marriage fell apart and my daughter and I were pretty much homeless for a couple months, just going wherever we could go to friends or whatever, didn't have any relatives here. But she was looking at me. And she and also my niece was looking at me who both you know, my daughter was 10, my niece was like 17, and looking at me like, how are you going to handle this? Are you going to go crawling back to someone that mistreated you, that put you out of the house? Or are you going to be strong and you're going to fight back? I said, I can't, I can't show them weakness right now. I got to push forward. I don't want them to think that they can reward someone who mistreated you. So I never came back, never looked back. Nice. And, and, and I think a lot of women that are in abusive relationships have to remember that they've got to show others that you are worthy of happiness. You are worthy of contentment. You're worthy to pursue your dreams and, and, and you shouldn't have to obey or take any kind of negative treatment from anyone and still talk about that day right now she's 33 but she was 10 at the time wow so yeah so there's there's value in the follower is what i'm saying okay thank you for sharing that i appreciate that insight and i do agree that someone is always watching so it's important that we lead our lives effectively so that we can mm-hmm. show them how to do the same so thank you so absolutely. much absolutely absolutely yes so do you feel it's easier harder or requires the same effort to be a female leader in the entrepreneur ecosystem and why i think it's easier but to a point We as women are used to juggling, making lemonade out of lemons. We have critical 
thinking skills when we have children and we have to go to work, but one of them's sick or, or it got a flat tire or whatever. And, and just to be clear, this is the first time in history that there are more single women than married women. And it's either by choice or by divorce or whatever. And so we have that determination anyway, I think, again, because there are followers looking at us. And many of us already have entrepreneurial skills that we aren't monetizing. I have friends that bake things and just give, give away the baked goods, and they're worthy of, of selling them. Mm-hmm. I have friends that, you know, okay, just bring your dogs to my house. If you got to go out of town, I'll take care of them. No problem. Or your children or even writing books or music or whatever. We do those things. We are creative and resourceful. And there is a target customer that would value that business or service if they know about it. So I say up to a point that we've got, we're used to being the cook, the customer service representative, the the parking lot attendant. We do all of that simultaneously sometimes, (laughs) but we don't, you know, but we don't, we don't realize our value. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where, where it becomes a struggle because when we try to change those roles, some people don't want you to change their role. Mm -hmm. There could be like um, people that say you don't have enough experience to do A, B, C, D, and E. Well, maybe it's not the exact same experience, but it requires similar skill sets. And as a banker, I was a banker for 25 years. I'll tell you right now, I gave women and minorities huge points that were not there yet, mm. but I saw them coming. Nice. I saw them coming. Yes. Awesome. I love that. And I love how you actually trailblaze in that area of giving women and minorities preference because it's definitely something that has been needed and still continues to be needed. So that's awesome of you to do that in a time when that it wasn't what the current trend was, so to say. And you know what? That also was because of a dilemma. When I went into banking at the bank that I spent most of my time with, I was the only female in the group, in the small business lending group. There were two African-Americans, but I was the only woman. And in the 80s, there were clubs and places that women couldn't go to. And that meant golf clubs and, and social club, professional organizations. They would have luncheons and, and women were not allowed to go. Mm. And so there I am trying to compete for these sales contests. And I have no access to a certain group of small business owners. So what did Iris do? She came up with a strategy to win by going outside of that circle. Mm-hmm. My target customers were nonprofits, women, and minorities, and churches. And churches and the nonprofits had those big dollars checking accounts. They needed construction loans and and equipment, just like those big corporate executives. And then my my smaller clients were coming from all over Franklin County because they heard there was a black woman 
that could help them start their business. And at the end of the day, I got the awards. I I won almost every SBA award they had back back then. And they were people that otherwise would not have been given the time of day. But because I embraced that market and they became loyal to me, I was able to outdo the men that were in my unit. Nice. I love that. Talk about making lemonade out of lemons, right? So you couldn't Mm -hmm. access the current customer base. So you created Mm -hmm. your own customer base and you Mm -hmm. solved a need that was present. Mm -hmm. These people have been ignored and now you're there. That's how you were able to swoop in with that win. I love that. And you know what else? That's when all of the drama in my life was going on. I never missed a day of work. My kids didn't miss any school. We were in sleeping in different places every week, but I couldn't let them see me sweat. Had to keep pushing. Wow, that is awesome. I love that. So even with all kinds of things going on in the background, you still were able to be successful. Thanks for sharing. You know, when you think about success, and I really do believe this, and I, I believe that when you are trying to do something good and positive that will benefit others. The evil spirits will come out of everywhere. Mm. The devil, Satan, whatever you want to call it, to distract you, to get you off course, to make you forget about what the prize is. And you just have to jump over it, jump around it, go under it, outsmart it so you can reach your goal. Yes. Okay. So thank you for that. All right. So productivity is a hot topic right now, as it should be. Many people want to know how to do more with less and be efficient. As a successful leader, this is a must. Dr. I, do you have any productivity tips to share with our listeners? Well, let's say I go with an old practice that I've augmented with electronic record keeping. And this thing, it may sound like the Flintstones, <laughs> but it works for me. I do not go to bed without making a list of the top five must-do action items for the next day. And if I happen to forget one and it wakes me up in the middle of the night, I will turn the light on, write it down, and then go back to sleep. So when I get up in the morning, I have my marching orders and I leave enough wiggle room in there in case something unexpected comes up. But I put it in my phone with alerts and so I feel productive at the end of the day. I am a one-person corporation. So it's not about delegating. It's about delegating to another part of Iris's responsibilities. She is a caregiver, so she goes and picks up her grandson and takes him to the dentist. She goes and meets with a client at the library and helps with putting together some kind of proposal. She teaches. She goes and online teaches and nurtures students. So I have to be all these different personalities or characters during the day. And I can't let one shoe drop or somebody's going to be impaired. And that's how I do it. And when I get done at the end of the day, I can breathe that I still got all the plates spinning in there. 
Okay. Yes, I love that. And I love the tried and true, write it down the night before. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is just literally 90, probably 90% of all the podcast episodes that I've done. That has been the tip for productivity. I love how you said to leave in wiggle room for the unexpected because unexpected Mm -hmm. things can happen and we need to have that space to be able to be the super women that we are every day, right? And Mm -hmm. I love what you said, breathe, right? When you get home, you breathe or being able to breathe and just process everything, take everything in, appreciate what you were able to accomplish. I believe that also is a part of productivity. Mm -hmm. And then, you know what? Somebody will send me a text and say, Iris, thank you so much for meeting me and just letting me vent. I do that with a lot of sister friends. Okay. Because I do pride myself with being a good listener. And leaders have to listen. They have to listen to their followers, they have to listen to other leaders to be able to sort through all of the information and pick out the important parts. So I learn from them just like they're learning from me. Yes, yes. Okay, thanks for that. And I do also agree that even listening is a productivity tip. How can you get mm-hmm. your job done, especially if you need to consume information without listening? So thanks for that. Okay, so Dr. I, can you share an experience that blessed your leadership and tell us about the outcome or the takeaway that you learned? Bless my leadership. Oh, yes, I can. I was appointed National Economic Empowerment Chair for the Coalition of 100 Black Women uh, during the recession. And here, Black women across the nation were seeing their 401ks and their retirement earnings from their jobs dwindle to nothing. They saw job elimination. They saw changes in the banking policies. It was truly the worst of times for Black people, Black women, head of households. And I was charged with the task of coming up with a financial literacy economic empowerment initiative that not only the membership could adopt, but other women that we serve in our communities could adopt. So again, this is a big group of women, like there's over probably 40 chapters in the United States with from 30 to 200 members and and everybody was crying the blues. Wow. And just keep in mind that many of us were head of households. Mm -hmm. And so when mama is unhappy, it rolls right downhill. (laughs) Tell me about it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, And not just mama, we are the PTA presidents. We're the... Uh, chairman of the usher board. We we volunteer at the local senior center. It rolled downhill. How yeah. are we going to continue to lift when we don't have our feet on solid ground? Yeah. So after several weeks of thinking about what could be done, I came up with a program called My Sister's Keeper. And if you're familiar with the biblical story of Ruth and Naomi, yes, that's one of my favorite Bible stories. And it was about 
two impoverished women that were not related by blood. It was a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law, and both were widows. And there they are trying to scrape through the dirt and figure out, how are we going to survive? And the daughter says to Naomi, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. But the mother-in-law says, no, Ruth, you go on. Find your husband. Find you somebody. Go, go. I'll be all right. And you know, we have all said that to our kids or whatever. Just go, don't worry about me. I'll be all right. Mm -hmm. And that story was the foundation for the program. We decided that, and I had a committee, that we would help ourselves and also help our sisters at the same time. So there was a financial literacy portion that helped us understand the changing banking laws and real estate policies and you name it. We tried to get the information on how we could understand the new paradigm of earning money and keeping money and what we could do. Here's a big problem still today. We haven't cracked this one. Black women are the most educated and the least paid of any demographic Mm -hmm. in the United States. Yes, yes. So here we are. We've done everything right. And and we went to school. We got on student loans. And with all that debt, we still make 60 cents to every dollar of a white man. That's a reality that we're still dealing with. But at any event, we introduced this financial literacy program called My Sister's Keeper. It had an entrepreneurship portion where we did workshops and we had people supporting us from the business community to come and talk about what they could offer women with small businesses. We had investment people come. We also had corporate sponsors to help us with scholarships. And so that was our platform and it was adopted nationally and stayed into effect until this year because we felt that it was time for another program. So they called me again and said, you know, Iris, we need to realize that something's got to be done about this employment situation for black women. And we need to begin to put ourselves in front so that we can help others. And so now we have a platform called Sisternomics, Economics for the Black Woman. And we believe in helping others. But you know that nephew that you let come into your house and sleeping on your sofa and hadn't seen a paycheck in I don't know how long? And you taking care of them kids for your girlfriend and she doesn't give you any money to feed them, that's got to stop. We've got to stop letting other people treat us like the doormat. And that's what we're doing. Respect yourself and then you can help others. Nice. Thank you. Yes, I love that. And I do agree that it starts with us, right? And we can't pour from an empty cup. So Mm -hmm. we do need to take care of ourselves so that we can take care of others. But I really love your My Sister's Keeper program where uh, it was a platform to help yourselves as well as help your fellow sisters. Mm -hmm. So we have to sometimes grab hands and and help each other. So thanks for that. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so Dr. I, can you offer our listeners the best advice you have as a leader or you've ever received from a leader and tell us how you've implemented it into your life? Well, I have got to be honest with you. I've been watching the signs in the economy, particularly the changes in the retail sector. Quick story, I was a big, I still like Macy's, but I used to love Macy's. Because when I went into my Macy's, I saw black women in there working. I'd known them for years. They knew me. They would even put things back for me that they thought I would like. Oh, wow. And, oh, and yeah. And so then I saw, I came in one day and they had all been let go or offered positions because the store was closing. Okay. And they were offered positions in um, other communities that would have been a hardship just trying to get to. Mm. And so then I, you know, in my, in my role as a professor of entrepreneurship, I started really digging into that retail movement. And one by one, every single day, a large retailer was going under because of electronic purchases. Uh, Amazon was just knocking them down and putting them in a trash can because of Amazon's business model. So you will continue to see that. And even there was a point where manufacturing was encouraged to stay here in the United States and they were coming back. They don't like it here anymore. And they're getting ready to go back to Mexico and all them other places because of our current economic policy. So I'm saying to all women, bring out your A game right now. I can't tell you when it's going to happen, but I do believe that we are headed for another economic downturn. Mm. So whatever you can do to increase your storeroom full of whatever it is to start that business and get your customers on board to lobby for that better job and whatever you can do to teach your kids, the people around you to begin thinking of an economic sustainability plan, you need to do it now. Okay, thank you for sharing that. I love that advice. Yes, because economic stability is important and we do have to have a plan for it and plan Mm -hmm. for the unexpected to make sure Mm -hmm. that we are okay and that we can still survive the way that we're used to surviving or be still continue to be successful. So thank you for that. And here's, here's another way to do that. For those of you that have equity in your homes, this would be a great time to capture a lower interest rate mortgage, pay off your credit card debt, pay off any bills that you can, and get a new first mortgage at a low interest rate with a monthly payment that is less than all those other bills. So you can come up with a stable budget that you can afford. Student loans, I'm not sure how we're going to deal with that because it's out of control now. But as far as your everyday lifestyle, try to bundle it up into one payment that you can live with so that you won't have any guesswork in your budgeting. That's where the problems come in. Those items that pop out of nowhere, for example, this past summer, basement flooded, backed up drain in my own house. I wasn't expecting that. Mm-hmm. That ended up costing me a thousand dollars. I want to be able in my household 
to say, oh, no problem. I got this money over here that'll cover that. I don't want to be stressed out if something comes up that I'm not expecting. And we need to eliminate stress everywhere we can. Yes, yes. Thank you for that. Yes, that I do agree that helping yourself to be in a better financial position does help to eliminate stress. So that is a great, mm-hmm. <laughs> great advice. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Okay, so Dr. I, you made it to the finish line. How do you feel? I'm, I'm optimistic because I have to be. Like I said, I'm I always looking at today is another day that I can put on my boots and my army gear and go back into battle. And the battle is just ending the day feeling like I really made a difference, that I accomplished something, and somebody else is better off because of something I did. Yes, yes. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank you for being our guest on She Leads Podcast, Leadership Empowerment for Women of Color. But before we part, do you want to give our listeners your contact information or mention any events, products, services, or ventures that they would benefit from knowing about? Well, my contact information is very simple. Iris at JustGaskIris.com. And it's JustGaskIris because in the bank, if somebody wants an information, nobody else knew about it, they'd tell them to go ask me. Because if she doesn't know the answer, she's going to find out the answer. So that's why I'm always studying. I'll be a student for the rest of my life. And I've got some events coming up in May. I have an event here in Columbus, Ohio, that is sponsored by an organization called Relay. It's a servant leadership organization. And I am the only female on the panel. And I am going to be talking about leading through change. And if you want any information about that particular event, you can just email me at iris at justaskiris.com. I don't have the date right in front of me, but it's in May. So you still have time to uh, get on board. Okay, awesome. And your website is, is it Just Ask Iris as well? It's justaskdoctori.com. Okay. And social media at? At Iris C. I think it is at Iris C. But if you email me, I can give you the rest of the information. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. I. We appreciate your insight today. Well, thank you for asking me. And to all of your followers, just look dead into the future and say, I can do this. Yes, yes, I agree. I really enjoyed this interview with Dr. I, and I hope you did as well. I agree with Dr. I's notion of the importance of staying strong in adversity in an effort to lead by example for those that are watching you. Oftentimes, whether we realize it or not, There are people watching us to see how we will handle things. We have the power to impact others positively or negatively because our decisions impact others. Successful leaders make tough decisions while considering everyone involved, not just themselves. A quote by John Wooden reads, being a role model is the most powerful form of educating. I admire Dr. I's solution-oriented mindset. 
When faced with the obstacle of being excluded from networking events in her industry, instead of accepting defeat or just complaining about the situation, she looked for a solution to her problem. In doing so, she tapped into a market that had been previously ignored and became a powerhouse as a result. A roadblock that could have defeated her was used to elevate her in her own right. This is actually a double win, if you think about it. Not only did Dr. I help herself, she also helped others that desperately needed her assistance. Dr. I is a trailblazer in being a representative for the underrepresented, which during her time could not have been an easy feat. I can relate to Dr. I's experiences in being the go-to person for information, as I am the same. I possess a wealth of knowledge that surprises me at times, and many people come to me for direction. Ironically, I did not realize this trait in myself initially and had no clue that this was an example of my leadership qualities. I can honestly admit that there was a time in my life when I thought everyone knew what I knew, so I did not understand or appreciate the uniqueness within me. Being the go-to person is a valuable trait that should not go unrecognized. Nicole Walker's takeaway for this week. Dr. I mentioned the importance of keeping your eyes on the prize and not falling victim to the traps and distractions that come along when you're on the right path. I felt this as I know firsthand how distractions are everywhere. And it's so easy to get off track if you do not keep your goal in the forefront of your mind. Distractions can take the form of people, places, or things. So it is imperative to be aware and alert. I will make it my business to stay forward focused and not get thrown off course by anything not relevant to my goals. I am a goal-oriented individual, so distractions must be avoided for me to be successful. An anonymous quote reads, focus on your goal. Don't look in any direction but ahead. And now we have Nicole Walker's Leadership Challenge of the Week. My leadership challenge for you would be to think about the one thing you can take away from this episode and adopt into your life. I know it's hard to absorb too much information at one time, and it's even harder to try and implement too many changes at once. When I attend trainings or listen to podcasts, I aim to walk away with at least one thing that stuck out to me and one way that I can change as a result. I challenge you to do the same. If you decide to take me up on my challenge, I would love to know your key takeaway. If you care to share, go to the She Leads podcast discussion group on Facebook and leave your comment under the Takeaway Thursday post for season four, episode two. Don't forget to subscribe to She Leads podcast for first access to future episodes. And like and share this episode of She Leads Podcast, which is entitled Walk into the Change Life Brings with Dr. Iris Cooper. Thanks. And until next time, be empowered and empower on.